Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Everybody, it is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Steve Jones coming to you soon from the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and at sunburymotors.com. Matt Leon, excuse me, from KYW in Philadelphia is going to join us a little bit later today with some more with the latest on the Ivy League announcing yesterday that the fall sports season has been canceled. Some thoughts of maybe trying to move football to the spring. That's not going to happen. Maybe some of the other fall sports might get moved to the spring. That's still kind of up in the air at this point, but certainly disappointing news. But I guess the somewhat good thing is, as we talked about yesterday, FBS schools really aren't going to relate to the Ivy League decision-making because Ivy League doesn't quite make as much money, especially for football, as some of the Power 5 schools do. So, But certainly it's troubling to see nonetheless. And I'll be curious just for myself to see how some of the other smaller conferences in the FBS and even the FCS react to it. Locally here with the Patriot League, they just released a few weeks ago guidelines for student athletes and coaches and players and everybody for the 2020 fall sports season. They're in place as of right now. We'll see if that were to change. Hopefully that won't change for yeah. Bucknell's sake, yeah. But hopefully uh, this will be just the only thing that Ivy League will uh, be the only one that makes a move like this And as far as Division One goes. Yeah, i got a lot, to, a lot of ground to cover here. We'll do it in a short period of time. We have a lot of guests on today. Uh, we have today Matt Leon, who is the play-by-play voice of Penn Football and Basketball, so we'll talk about the Ivy League. We have... Um, uh, a guest from Pro Football Focus, Austin Gale, on today. Might as well have some fun, do some grading out there. And also Emily Kaplan, 
who is the NHL writer for ESPN. Penn State grad, by the way, will be on our show today as well. So we have a full show, my man. Full show. Yeah, looking forward to it. A, a lot to ground covered, no doubt, for all three of those guys. Yeah, so let's uh, let's let's start with the Ivy League. Uh, then we'll get to the ACC and what some of the possibilities are uh, football-wise, even in the Big Ten. So let's cover that here in the open. Number one. The Ivy League was the one that was the leader that went out there and right away said, hey, that's it. Um, we're not going to play our basketball tournament. And they had a lot of people criticize them for it. <laughs> Come on. And then suddenly 48 hours later, everybody's following suit. In that incredible 48-hour span that was just surreal. This, again, others may follow suit, but at this hour, I don't see that happening, that they're going to follow suit. It's at this hour. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. If it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to be with FCS, at least initially. And I believe you said the Patriots are going to start September 1st, right, like the ACC? The earliest it'll start is September 4th. Which is that September Friday? 4th, which is Friday, yeah. So that's Friday. Um, the and that buys everybody a little bit of time. I mean, it does buy it some time. The ACC is going to start with they're now postponing to their activities to no earlier than September first. Okay. The the if there's going to be any effect on this, especially when it comes to the football part of it, FCS is interesting. Uh, football doesn't make money in FCS. In fact, one of the ironies is that. If you get to the playoffs and you see teams advance to the championship game all the time, a North Dakota State, a James Madison, Villanova was like that a few years earlier. The further you go, the more money you lose. I think everybody thinks that it's like the NCAA basketball tournament where, hey, we advance the team, we're getting more money, which in the NCAA men's basketball tournament is true. That's not how the rest of the world operates. Further you go in the NCAA FCS tournament, women's basketball tournament, whatever it may be, the more money you lose. It's the way it is. So that's why I would look at FCS. Men's basketball and FCS makes money. Football does not. It's not that football doesn't bring in revenue. Football does bring in revenue. Football brings in revenue in the Ivy League. It brings in revenue in the in the Patriot and the long list, you know, in the big sky. The problem is the expenses happen to be the bigger number than the revenue generated. So they lose money. 
Money is not the reason why the, the Ivy League is doing this. That is not the reason. It's the campus protocols that are already in place. Harvard, for example, that's why I knew they weren't going to go in the fall, the Ivy. When I saw that Harvard was going to have nothing but virtual classes, I thought that that was the tip-off that they did not allow fall sports. Penn, for example, though, has not decided what to do, but Harvard has. They're going virtual for the fall, and that's their decision. In listening to Robin Harris from the Ivy League this morning, I really had thought that, okay, let's look at the part of the country. Harvard, just over the Charles River from Boston, hard-hit area. Brown, Providence, hard-hit area. Yale, Connecticut, New Haven, hard-hit area. Princeton, New Jersey, hard-hit area. Penn, Philadelphia, hard-hit area. Columbia, Manhattan, hard-hit area. There's also Dartmouth up uh, in New Hampshire. They've been fine. And Cornell at the uh, southern tip of the Finger Lakes in Ethico, they've been fine. But six out of the eight been hard hit, and I thought, well, I probably played a role in it. And in, according to her, it didn't. You know, I mean, I, things in the Northeast have actually improved. But that actually did not play a role in the decision. It was actually the campus decisions. Because in the end, these are, quote, student athletes. Well, if they're making decisions on a campus about the students, those decisions also include the student athlete. And that's what went into uh, into the Ivy League's decision. Should uh, uh, Will others follow? We'll see. Uh, initially, if anybody's going to follow, it's going to be somebody that is an in the FCS. That's that's my opinion. Power 5, I think, wants to wait as long as possible to make any decision on the season. Um, right now, you have Ohio State, which has had to pause its workouts. North Carolina has had to pause its workouts. Kansas State did pause its workouts, but after 14 days, after quarantine, they're back working out again. So they're, to this point, even though it is big news any time a Power 5 school pauses the workout, any time that happens, it's big news. Except then when you realize that, as of right now, the number that have had to pause is a relatively small number. Some schools have been very fortunate. Indiana has had no, no positive tests. That's awesome. I don't think Wisconsin has either. Maryland, believe it or not, has not. But you have to take it one step at a time and a day at a time. And yes, Ohio State had to put a pause on. Now, one thing Ohio State is not doing, they are not releasing the numbers of positives because the positives at Ohio State are not just football. They're men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, soccer. So how many positives they have and how spread out it is among their teams, we don't know. We don't know. And
The um, Now, when you look at how you want to do the season, do you not play any um, do you not play any non-conference games and just play conference games? That's a, that's a real possibility in the Big Ten, by the way. It's something that's been discussed about just playing conference games in the Big Ten. It cuts down on travel. And remember, Ohio State, for example, is supposed to play at Oregon. I mean, I mean, I've really thought for a long time that the odds were long about playing that game in the current climate. Uh, and so the question is going to be, everybody already has their nine Big Ten games. You'd have to add a tenth one, which means in all likelihood you have to add somebody from the, in this case, from the Western Conference, from the Western Division. So keep your eye out for that about the Big Ten playing nothing but conference games, and you may then see others fall, follow suit. Now, in the SEC, that would be incredible. Suddenly, you're not playing Western Carolina anymore. You actually have to play somebody else. So that is something that to look at. Because it's been an option that's been on the table the entire time. As of right now, Penn State has had nobody drop out off their schedule, to my knowledge. Okay? Uh, But that doesn't mean that they can't come up with a plan B because they really, really want to play in the fall. They really do. If it's possible, it has to be safe. If it's possible, they really want to play in the fall. The question is going to be, do you keep with the current schedule or do you modify it and play nothing but conference games and maybe play 10 Big Ten games over a span of 13 weeks? Something like that. And I think that's something that... Uh, it's not unfamiliar territory. Uh, it has been something that's been... you know You've had to look at all the options here. Believe me, playing nothing but conference games has been an option. You just haven't felt like, you know, but you don't want to change from the schedule you already have. So just throwing it out there, let's see if, if that if that option is realistic or not. And the Stanford situation, dropping 11 sports. Again, the vast majority... Our, our sports, for example, look for each sport, there are student athletes that are competing in them, and people who have jobs coaching them, working with them. So it's not a throwaway to me in any way, shape, or form. But there are also sports where very few people, very few other schools compete in them. Even, you know, look at men's volleyball. 9% is the participation rate. I think field hockey is about the same. Wrestling is 21%. Only 21% of all the schools 
have wrestling, which means 79% don't. And that percentage is going to keep changing because so far Old Dominion and Stanford have said no. And Stanford's been on the block before, and donors have been able to endow the program and save it. But it, I don't think that's going to happen this time. Yeah, ESPN just put out this story, Steve. The Big Ten decided today a conference-only season for all fall sports, including football, is the most likely outcome. You mean what we've just been talking about already? Exactly. Informing the informing the audience already did did so how many minutes ago? Yes. Okay. So that's not really breaking news, is it? No. No. I mean, on this show. Not on this show. No. I thought it was official, but then as I'm reading, that's why you should read first before you break into programming. <laughs> Well, they've discussed it. And they gave the league's head coaches a chance this morning to give their thoughts on it. But the decision has not been officially announced yet. Okay? I mean, you've got Penn State, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, Washington. Wisconsin's supposed to play Notre Dame at Lambeau Field. I mean, imagine the SEC. I mean, the SEC would have a huge problem. That matchup between Alabama and Western Carolina would go by the board. Oh, sorry. Wrong non-conference game. No official announcement, but it looks like they're on track to doing what we just talked about for the last 10 minutes. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us. On the show today, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. And great pre-owned inventory. Check it out online at sunburymotors.com. And then you work with a great sales staff with a lot of great deals right now. A lot of great deals. And uh, you can get it all at sunburymotors.com. And Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Summary Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Okay, so the key is going to be the Big Ten. They haven't announced it yet, but they talked about it today. And instead of playing non-conference games, they have proposed the possibility of playing just conference games some had argued, hey, let, let's play nine conference games and one non-conference game for ten. But it sounds like more and more like the the winning scenario is ten conference games, no non-conference games. If If that were to happen, if that were to be announced, you can then expect other conferences to then step up and make a similar announcement. And they really want to play in the fall 
And this may not be the only sport where they're saying, hey, look, let's just play conference games. You're talking about the possibility of playing just conference games in soccer, field hockey, women's volleyball, conference matchups in cross country, whatever it may be. Okay. So we'll get more into that, but um, we opened the show by telling you that it was a possibility. By the end of the opening segment, it seemed like more and more of a possibility, and you can't say the show didn't tip you off a little bit. How about that? Okay. Matt says breaking news, and he comes, jumps in and breaks news on something we've been talking about for... 15 minutes. <sighs> Confirming it. I, you know, I, By the way, I told Jack Ham about the uh, suits holding one into the clown's mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> Jack asked if there was a windmill involved. All right, so let's get to <laughs> Ivy League will not have fall sports, period. The play-by-play voice who does a great job for Penn football and men's basketball is Matt Leon. Matt, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Good to be with you. The uh, When Harvard decided to go virtual uh, for the fall semester, I didn't really hold out hope that there would be Ivy League football in the fall. Were you surprised where they just looked and just said uh, no, period? No, I wasn't. I I think there's a chance we could see it in the spring. They could move it up, move mm-hmm. it out to the spring if things get better. But I mean, not based on anything other than what we've seen. I kind of had this baked into the cake since about early April. Um, I, you know, when they were the first ones to pull the plug on their conference tournament, and you know, remember they got hammered for that, and then 18 yeah. hours later. Uh, and the whole world had shut down. So when you're the first ones, when you go out on the limb, the first ones like that, uh, it's safe to say they weren't going to come back until everything is really, really in a good place. And while a lot of the Northeast, where the Ivy League schools are, are getting closer to normal, uh, I was not surprised by this at all. This was pretty much what I expected. It, obviously, it's been a hard-hit area. There's no uh, The East has, but you're right. The numbers in the East have been at least better. Um, uh, I know here in Center County, we've had a total of seven total the last three days, two, two, and now three. So, I mean, you don't want any of the seven to get sick, but still in a relative sense, though, in, numerically, those are, those are good numbers. Uh, but I heard Robin Harris today talk about that, and she said, "Look, uh, this was this was sounded like more of a presidential decision and not an athletic decision, and it had to do with student safety on campus." No, absolutely. I and you know I am obviously not a doctor, not an epidemiologist, but I think I think the games are the least of your worry when you kind of look at this. I think it's everything surrounding the three hours of the game it's training you know having a hundred specifically let's just focus it on football you know a hundred kids that have to weight lift every day how are you going to break that down are you going to clean after every person comes through uh the travel to and from games i think we've talked about this like you're gonna do you 
if you don't want kids to have roommates, you got to have a kid in every room, and that's going to double your costs, and you're going to have a seat between everybody on the bus. And it just gets all this stuff that is just really hard to get your head around. And, and every every answer, every question you answer leads to four more questions. And I just think it's just too much, and it's way too much for institutions where sports aren't driving revenue. And I I think it was a pretty pretty easy decision for them to to come to this. Which uh, does bring me to the revenue part of it, and I'm not saying that has anything to do with this, uh, but I want to at least get certain facts out there. For the Ivy League, football, yes, it generates money, but not enough to offset the expenses. In other words, football is a financially losing proposition in the Ivy League, correct? I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down, but it's not... It is a different world from anything else. And it's really a different world for, from a lot of FC, other FCS schools as well. Like, it's one of the reasons I think you could see them go to a spring is because they're not tied to the playoffs. The Ivy League title is everything. So if you just play these seven, your seven Ivy League games, mm-hmm. seven weeks instead of your, as spring practice instead of, uh, you know, you're not affecting anything else. Uh, I really, the, the Ivy, specifically with football, are kind of in a bubble where I think the potential for playing in the spring is much greater than it might be for a lot of other places. Now let's flip it to the other side, though. They don't want to consider any competition until after January 1st. Now they'll make a decision in a couple of weeks about that, too. But that is where money is made because men's basketball, I mean, you did a game, you opened the season last year in Tuscaloosa. Oh, absolutely. At, at Alabama. Well, guess what? Those are guarantee games. Those uh-huh. are, and they're going to lose money. You know, just to let you know, it's it's not the be-all, end-all. They're going to lose money by not playing in November or December because that's where, along with the NCAA tournament, athletic departments were garnering some cash. Oh, absolutely. And I would guess if we see a basketball, it will simply be an Ivy League season, maybe a couple of city games, you know, against the Temple, St. Joe's, Drexel, whoever. Uh, but I would think, because I could see an Ivy season, an Ivy tournament going to the NCAA tournament. That's what, in my head, that's kind of what I see. Uh, playing out is they will uh, because they were going to change the you know the weekend schedules for the Ivy League were kind of going away. Now I don't know if this throws us all you know we're obviously kind of through the looking glass here, uh, but it'll be interesting to see. And I didn't you know January first is that just when you're starting team practices or right, right. you know I think there's a lot of moving parts uh, because I think you can do. You know, 14-game Ivy League schedule, you could probably do that in six weeks. Sure. You know, you're doing basically that's what you, you've done. It's, you know, six weekends, and, you know, Penn maybe plays Princeton on a couple Wednesdays to to to, to round it out. But, uh, I mean, you got to wait and see. I'm cautiously optimistic of, of seeing Ivy League basketball 
in 2021. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of distressing and disturbing stuff, maybe not in the Northeast, but the rest of this country, what this virus is doing. And, you know, while things have settled down in this area significantly, uh, you know, all it takes is a couple people traveling up from Florida and right. not being cautious, and we are in the middle of the whirlwind once again. So uh, we'll have to take a wait and see. But nothing the last couple of days has surprised me, or I should say from yesterday. Right. Uh, pretty much what I expected once you kind of really got your arms around what the, the landscape was going to look like. Matt, I prefaced my opening question by saying that Harvard decided to go virtual for the fall, and I thought that was a tip-off. Has, has Penn made decisions yet on how they want to handle the fall semester academically? Not that I've seen. I Talking to people, I know they want to try to have something on campus, but it's, it's tough. It's, uh, you know, and it's interesting that a lot of the discussions, and I don't overall are talking about kids, students, and Ivy, but I would think that your bigger concern is your professors, because a lot of your professors are older, and they're in that group that would be, you know, at that, the highest risk for, you know, significant, significant health problems from this. So, uh, it's, I don't envy anyone who has to make these decisions that has to try to put these plans together, because it's a incredibly difficult balancing act and you're trying to build a house on a foundation of quicksand because the variables and the concepts you're dealing with are constantly changing yeah and that's the issue that goes back to the first week of this i said look you almost have to take this day by day yep and I haven't changed my stance on that because you know, about a month ago, I think a lot of people were starting to feel pretty good about it. And right now, I think it's a little more sobering. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think you see what the last month has shown, I think, that if you're not constantly pushing back on this, it will take things over. And that's just a hard way to live. Like, it's a really difficult way to live and you know I like you said it's day to day you just try to do the best you can one day at a time and you know and take all the precautions you can and see what happens well this is this is incumbent upon all of us to be vigilant and not yeah. just from a sports point of view just from a life point of view yeah no absolutely and I mean you you consider like all these leagues in the bubble, the NBA, the you know major league, well, major league baseball is not in a bubble, but you know they're trying to come back. These are leagues that have money to spend that can looks like they can test whatever they want, and you're getting you know teams that are you know when we, we had two teams had to drop out of MLS to you know, and these are groups that are relatively small groups that are trying to do it in a controlled environment, and it's tough. So when you're just trying to do to, to have a normal society, uh, you, it's really difficult, and it's going to be like this for a while. It's going to be ebb and flow, and uh, you know we just you just got to hope we can turn the corner relatively soon. That's what we're all hoping for, and as part of the ebb and flow of this show, we have to go to a break. Thank you, sir. Always. It's always a pleasure. Always. Always good to be with you. You too.
Bye-bye. Matt Leon, play-by-play voice, Penn football, basketball. Next half hour, Austin Gale, Pro Football Focus, Emily Kaplan, ESPN. Back with more in a moment, brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. That last voice you heard, by the way, when he got his hole in one into the clown's mouth, he timed out the windmill just right. There's something to be said for that. Dick A. Milton joins us. Dick, always a pleasure, my friend. I hope you're well. Hey, Steve. I am. I just, just curious. I kind of saw this coming with the Ivy League and, and well, two points. For example, Bucknell plays, was scheduled to play three football games against Ivy schools this year. And the other thing that really hurts the schools like the Bucknells is the, the EIWA, which has like 18 members, though, but a, but a big percentage of them are Ivy League wrestling schools. So now we're looking after January, and, and I'm, not sure I, I'm not sure we're going to see them even competing then. I'm just thinking about it outside the box. And I think that's a legitimate concern. The Ivy League will not make a decision on what to do about January 1st and beyond, at least for a couple of more weeks. Uh, my concern for FCS has always been after the Ivy League made its decision would all others follow suit. Now, I believe uh, in Division Three, the Centennial League has announced right. they're not playing, and that includes Susquehanna. Well, you, so, you might know this, and somebody there, you, you know the conferences there in the Susquehanna, but like Coming and Gettysburg, there's about four divisions of that, of that Division Three that, that they kind of intermingle, but they're not all Centennial schools. For example, I don't right. think like Coming is part of that conference either, or, or maybe Wilkes or some of the other schools, and then Gettysburg. But so I'm wondering if a lot of them will go the same route in the Division Threes also. Yeah, uh, because I believe Juniata is a satellite Centennial. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know how they. I just, I just know that there's about three or four diff, different offshoots of that Division Three conference because all schools, and they're all intermingled in a sense. But my other, my other thing is, and I'll let you go. But you know, Stanford dropping eleven sports today, and I saw the thing about finances. Their endowment's twenty-one billion dollars. I, I mean, it's just hard to believe that finance would dictate dropping sports when you have that kind of endowment. Well, yeah, the endowment goes, yeah, I know. Yeah, that people are wondering about that. It's hard to believe. I mean, obviously, they're not revenue producers, and, and, uh, and by and large, none of those sports are anywhere. I don't care where you're at, other than maybe some of the Big Ten schools, like the volleyball and stuff like that at Penn State or, or Wisconsin and Minnesota. But, you know, a lot of conferences, those are, those are just basically almost self-financed by the schools or the – Alumni, in a large part, a large part. Yeah, there are only two field hockey schools on the West Coast, so Stanford well, yeah, dropped out. large. That doesn't surprise me right. because the right. majority of the field hockey in high schools played like in right. Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey, and New, yes. and and, and then every once in a while you'll find some in Missouri. I'm not sure where they ever find. They're just getting started in California high school field hockey. Yes. Hard to believe with 45 million people. I know. You're, you're right. But, uh, but I just, I just only... know it's not, not – and this I know only from talking to field hockey coaches. I said, look where you recruit. Well, they said, we only we go where the kids play field hockey. <laughs> right. You, you have to go where the talent is. It's where they play. Right. And that's pretty uh, much volleyball. an East Coast – I don't even know if it's men's real big down south. I think 9%. it's just from like – I'm going to say from Maryland up into New York State, New Jersey, and some in New England. And I'm not sure yeah. how, how big it is in Ohio. You'd have to look at the Penn State roster and some of those and see where they're getting their kids. 
And men's volleyball is only 9% of the schools in the country playing, so they dropped that. Wrestling's only 21%, but it's interesting. Stanford has three bona fide All-Americans on that roster. <laughs> Yeah, they actually had a they had actually had a national champion, an All American, transfer his last year into Ohio State. Here uh, wrestled for them for a couple, maybe one or two years. He he was really really good at Stanford because I saw him in nationals. And next thing he was the next year he was wrestling at Ohio State with that. You know, I'm still not real big about that portal, but that's just the way it works out. So, for example, one of the All American national champions uh, from uh, from Northwestern transferred back to his home state. He's going to wrestle at Rutgers this year. Right. So it happens. That's a portal thing. I'm just not real wild about it. But there again, I don't know enough about it. It just seems like you just ask and you go. I I know it's better than sitting on the bench, but the guy that's a national champion wasn't going to set the bench. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I know. So that's my deal. I know. I'll be shocked if the Patriot League and some of these other smaller leagues don't, by and large, bite off just like... I mean, they're they're just they're more they're comparable to each other, not comparable to the to the to the Big Tens and the Southeast conferences and, and schools like that, in any, yeah. by any stretch. Right. It's uh, and that's why look that's why the Big Ten is trying to cut down on travel. That's why they want to play ten ten conference games, keep all the money internal, not play non conference games. They're trying to do whatever they can to get whatever revenue they can into this while being safe. Look, it's you're still talking about student athletes, so I got you. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you, Dick. Appreciate the perspective very much. Next half hour, Austin Gale Pro Football Focus. Emily Kaplan, ESPN, final half hour. Great to have you with us today. By the end of the month, they expect the SEC to make a decision one way or the other. Um, they have not. I mean, some some have been asking, "Hey, do we play nine conference games like we're scheduled, and one non-conference game, or all ten will be conference games?" It sounds like all ten conference games would be the winner, which means you have to now add a team in.